this story, but Mitch, I don't know if I told you about when I set the alley on my, uh, behind my house on fire. You did tell me. That was really interesting. Do tell. Yeah, how I, be, how I was a hero. <laughs> you, were, <laughs> you know, if you set the I fire, save lives, dude. <laughs> I save lives because that's what I, I told do. him. I told him I that's thought the I moral of the story was you create your own destiny. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yes. I needed the opportunity to prove that I'm a hero. And okay. so that's what I did. Well, tell us the so story. You create the opportunity. opportunity, right? That's yeah. right. That's right. That's like you're not so, a murderer. You just wanted to prove that you could be. And that's how a body right. got. Murdered. And then stop by stopping exactly. yourself. You're the hero. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, 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 he's the hero by proving that he did it, but by, by investigating it as a freelance PI. And then he's like, there after careful investigation, I found the culprit. It is me. I left a trail. <laughs> I was hazardous. I clearly didn't expect somebody of my caliber to come looking after me. It's true. I should have known true. better. I should have known better than to set the alley on fire. Why did you set the alley on fire? Uh, I didn't actually do it on purpose. Let's be clear about that. I oh, was burning weeds in my own story. backyard. The official story is didn't do it on purpose. The official the official story is it was not wait, on purpose. Wait, 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 wait. I was burning weeds in my own the backyard. The intent was not to burn the weeds down the alley, but you definitely intentionally turned on the propane tank. Uh, I did turn on the propane tank. You know what? If you want to, if you want to. Like if you want to get into like real brass tacks here, <laughs> we could say that Mitch I was may have say, set this fire. He was he was an accomplice. He's huh. the one that gave me the torch that hooks up to the propane tank in the first place. He's wow. the one that put that temptation in my path. You know, I wow. think and I remember course, Amanda saying something when you got your hands on it. She's like, "You're something to the effect of, did you really give him this or something?" <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, you bro. know. You know it. It it does sound familiar because that is probably something she would say. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, but it was with that little not... torch, that blowtorch. Oh, it was totally with that blowtorch. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I was I was burning weeds in my backyard with that blowtorch. And then the the corner of the the yard I was in, there's a brick at the bottom of the cinder block wall mm-hmm. that has some cutouts for some strange reason. For drainage, I'm guessing, dude, I'm for, guessing drainage. for drainage. That's what I'm guessing. But it's also really good for allowing sparks to go through from one side of the fence to the other, oh. where there just happened to be a whole bunch of really dry weeds. Well, Fire Marshal Bill, that's how fire works. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say. <laughs> if you could do the teeth too, right? I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's just tough to do the teeth. You got to kind of really kind of tuck your lip out of there. <laughs> wow, that's really creeping me out. I'm glad that we don't have pretty videos. Good, actually, pretty good. <laughs> I did figure out how to record this stuff, like just the video, right off the the screen too. So next time we'll have to do that because that the audience needed to see. That was really yeah worth seeing. I think the audience needed to see the wig. <clears throat> I think the audience really. I did snap a shot, <laughs> a, a picture of it right, right with the wig on. So that'll be published gotcha. alongside. Well, you know what was funny gotcha. is I walked into the kitchen first and. I had it on. I go, Brooke, it just doesn't look that different from my hair right now. And she goes, it doesn't. No, it, it really, it really does. doesn't. No, was, I'm looking at the hair right now, and I'm like, oh, he's still got the wig on. I'm like, I didn't realize it was a two-piece wig. It was kind of more yeah, underlined rather than highlighted. It just comes out. That's right. That's right. It's a toupee. Anyway, so let's... Look at all that goodness. It's really uh, sick and sexy. Uh, it's great. That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> I just need to wear a white suit and run out and point at the airplanes. The plane, boss. The plane. Thank you. Call back. That's yeah. gonna be rough, man. That's gonna be rough to for. I mean, does it, anyone? I mean, except for fogies like us, no 
tattoo anymore? I'm sure that they would, man. No, I don't think so, man. No. I think it'd be really be it'd be certain... hard pressed. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I find... 35 and younger would even know tattoo. Did you see no, the rewrite right. of the movie? Did you see they made a movie? Yeah, it's a yeah. horror movie. It's which, a horror which movie. I do want to see. I, I do want to see. Which it, the that. show was not exactly all good. There was some horror, like attempted television brand, scary, scary straight lessons learned episodes. There were some like lessons learned at the, on that, but they weren't like you know, like people dying or being tortured or anything no, like that. No. Not to that extent, but there it were some a, some episodes where lessons were learned. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. remember any of those lessons. I don't really remember the show really, really well. But I mean, I can imagine you would, uh, Rig, because you know you got a few years on me. But I don't remember that well. Like two, I Damn. have like two years on you, is all. Oh, Damn, that's enough. That's enough. Yeah, it's the one for where Khan <clears throat> was really upset with Starfleet, and so he came. Yeah, to he Earth tried to blow up a planet and, or something. Uh, yeah. Used their holodeck technology to create a fantasy island. Mm-hmm. These universes that, that sounds bitch. like some great that's fan true. fiction, man. That sounds really, really good. <laughs> Welcome back to Ruminations from the Red Room. I am your host, Mitch Proctor, and with me once again, joining from afar in Tucson, Arizona, Arvig. Hey, good morning. Good morning, good evening. And from out in the New Orleans, Louisiana, we have Charlie. Joining from afarther. Joining from even afarther. Sup, sup. Sup, sup. Hey, so um, music. I mean, it's a topic that we've kind of hit a couple times, many times. Uh, during our ruminations, uh, it plays a huge part in our lives. Uh, it can be celebratory. It can make us want to dance. Charlie knows all about it, making you want to dance. The man's got some Love moves. <laughs> it can make us laugh. It can get us pumped out for a workout. Uh, and it can sometimes remind us of times long gone. Like, I think there's no finer time machine than music. Um, so it can take us to the highest of highs and lowest of lows, which kind of brings me to the topic today. And we're going to kind of maybe do like a mini strain, a mini series on this book that I happened upon in Bookman's, the famous Bookman's in Tucson, Arizona. Oh, uh, is that where you found it? That's where I found the book, Wandering the Isles there. And it just jumped out at me because how do you not have a title like, um, I hate myself and want to die, not catch your eye, especially one of my particular attitudes and stylings. It's just like immediately spotted it. Um, Written by Tom Reynolds and published in 2005. Uh, It's a collection of 52 (laughs) of the most depressing songs ever recorded for mass consumption. Um, So when I picked up the book, I was, when I looked at it and obviously it's got a little bit of a comedic cover, even I was expecting a little bit more of a deconstruction, something a little more serious, like, okay, we're going to talk about the most depressing songs. We're going to really dig in, but it's, it is really laced with a lot of humor. Um, so my initial reaction, I was As a little, it would need to be <laughs> to suicide so rates from spiking, read, read it and kill yourself. Like, Oh yeah. I, I, and I should have thought of that. And so I'm not going to deduct points for the book because it wasn't what I expected. My expectations being forced upon the book. That's not his fault or the book's fault. I just was, I was in that mood. I wanted to, you know, be morose and <laughs> kind of dwell. I wanted to dwell. I wanted to ruminate on these 52 mm-hmm. most depressing songs. Uh, I like the show. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Come on. You got to give me a couple. Um, <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> mm. But anyway, I, I really liked the concept and I thought, why not gather some additional opinions and some thoughts on these songs, do a semi-review of not just the book, but of the songs that he listed there. 
Uh, and wow. in doing so, maybe we'd come up with some of our own. Uh, additionally, I mean, it was written 15 years ago. So in the intervening time, there have been probably tons more depressing songs. In fact, I think one of my songs that I list at the end of this uh, for honorable mentions, I think was 2009. So let's go ahead and uh, let's, let's first address this. What is it about a depressing song? I don't know about you guys, but why do we like sad songs? Um, I was going to say for me, uh, growing up, one of my favorite types of songs to listen to, and even now, uh, is a sad, depressing song or something that makes you just kind of feel, I think those type of emotions that you feel when you're depressed, angry, uh, hurt are, are very powerful emotions. You, you kind of feel those, you know, so deep within that, uh, angry is not, speak not to everybody. sad, right? Not depressing. Anger is not sad, but I was going to say like, you know, it's just, it's one of those emotions I think like being sad that is, is very powerful and it's something you don't forget. You know, we can remember happy times, but is it easier to remember sad times or to remember angry times than it is to remember happy times? Easier. Maybe so. That That's definitely kind of tough to, to say. Depends, I guess, on how impactful the time was. Like, But it seems like it's a lot easier just, for example, to work yourself up into a into a depressive, manic, or bummed out state than it is to just intentionally work yourself up into an ecstatic, super happy state. You think it's easier to get into a bummed out state? Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. But I mean, of course, that's me. Yeah. Okay. You know. Well, I, I mean, can you easy. work? Can I you intentionally? Probably... Go ahead. No. Can you? I mean, you're, you yourself, and if you can, again, we'll have to have a separate talk later to so I can pick <laughs> your brain. But are you able to, like, if you're in the mood to be happier, just elevate your mood and work yourself up, or like when you're sad? It's easier to be like, well, it's easier to it's easier to wallow than it is to uh, intentionally lift yourself up. So to I think sad songs, yeah, it is. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. I, I think that's difficult for sure. I I I struggle with it. I think most of um, I can't say most. There's enough people that routinely use some sort of mood enhancer. All three of us are using some form of it now, and. You know, it can. That's what people use to crutch on. They either self, uh, you know, prescribe, or they get a doctor to give them some sort of medication. I I don't know about. I guess I get a little tricky with the wolf apart because I think, I think it's so subjective, and and I mean all the way down to your, to kind of the cards you're dealt. Like you said a second ago, that's me. That's me. You know, I, I it kind of goes back to your original thing when you say, what is it that make sad song you know why do we like sad songs we and outside of all those subjective variables that start with like your propensity to maybe be more depressed and me be more happy or one of us be more psychotic <laughs> uh, you know, i didn't I'm say psychotic of, <laughs> no i'm talking, about, talking about being psychotic, psychotic. <laughs> i'm talking about me um no uh -huh. but, i mean why would i the first thing i think about is um I think I think we struggle with communication mm -hmm. just as a as, I think humans struggle with communication and I think music expresses so much of um there's so many planes of an of an emotional uh place like if you feel like you're in an emotional pit or you're in an emotional place it's very difficult for you to express that 
even to yourself the kind of things that you can find in music and it helps broaden that message or, or give you perspective on what you're feeling maybe you don't you know because as kids i don't know i'm not sure we understood the stuff we were going through and i think sure. as adults we do, we still run into that but less often and i think at the time the music of those years that generation that that captures you learning about yourself and in some ways if you think about it uh you're the 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 whole culture is learning about a new grouping of emotions right like with every new style of music you get a different set of uh, like a, like an equalizer, different mm -hmm. settings for what that music is expressing. And even down to where, you know, you have so much bubblegum pop that you could argue that that stuff is there to be that flightiness, to encourage You know, I used to come out, out really quickly and, and judge bubblegum pop. And, and over time, in, in my old age, I have come to understand its place. And we all have different like levels of tolerance for certain. Well, I see. I see you got a lot to say right there. What? But uh, you know, before... I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm. I know Mike's going to have ten thousand stories about. No, 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 no. I was just going to say like, like music obviously, Mitch is now a big Justin Bieber fan. Oh, okay, okay. But look, we're we're I'm going off saying. the rails just a little bit. Okay, not a Justin Bieber song. But when I and and when I say why depressing songs, why do we like sad songs? Like, is it? I'm not saying like as a culture. Um, we all like sad songs or they are more popular I than the happy do, songs. I, I think that they, well, they might, they probably do tend to be more on that side. And I think it's because it does like you're kind of like what you're saying, you get in touch, gets in touch with, with some of these things inside that we can't express otherwise or, but it's just, it's, it's an easy emotion to. And I was talking about like to. in different ways too, right? Like, yeah. because some of these songs are going to be like, uh, let's take country. If you have country sad, there's a narrative and a story that people are going to be listening to as an observer, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas if you go to, uh, let's go to uh, grunge, sad is mixed <laughs> with anger and rage. Back you to know, Mike's anger like, that he was talking about. Yeah. You see, but you kind of get my point, right? Sure. Like there's a there's these other ingredients there versus, um, you know, like a rock sad. You know, like let's <laughs> let's go. Let, what do you want to say? What's a good rock sad? Like November rain. Okay, I mean, thank you. It's like, a little, don't cry. It's a little sad, yeah. I mean, yeah. artistic <laughs> sad, but that's a that's a rock sad versus, you know, do you want to die, uh, toadies? Right? It's not it's not the same. Or 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 black, you know. Uh, Ooh, that's I, I mean, black. that's a good one. By the way, there's a there's a YouTube uh, bit out there where they did a postmodern jukebox sort of 40s version of black that was surprisingly good like really good female singer doing it i in may that or may 40s, not have to check that out i don't know i would have to check it out style. It, her voice was deep though and like um almost like a young stevie nick sultry and so when she pulled it put, and it was very well done. Like I wouldn't be talking. Does it, about does it, it create the same emotion though that uh, the original black does? It does, but it does it in a very, I swear to you, the thing that I thought about was this is how we age is we're going to be 70 listening to that version, you know, and describing <laughs> how, the, you know, the original version was so deep and visceral but we prefer this one because this is actually really hitting on some of the stuff we just talked on on the most recently uh published cast was about covers and like reboots and 
uh, things like that and what makes a great cover and whether or not you can cover something if you don't feel it a bit yourself. And <clears throat> for myself, for example, it depends. It's easier. Right? It's, yeah, it always does depend. But, you know, you were talking about um, expressing something in all these different genres and things. Um, like for me, when I, when I'm happy, it's a lot harder to write. I can much easier sit down and write a sad song than I could sit down and write a happy song. And that might well, say something about my balance. If, if what kind of, EDM, what kind of thong? Gum, you can happy write song all the time. Yeah. I think Pharrell showed us how to do it. Cause yeah. I'm happy. Well, and, blah, and not blah, to blah, disparage, blah, like not to disparage like yeah. writing songs or anything, but you know, and, and this is going to sound weird, but what comes to my mind is just, in the wedding singer, Sandler's <laughs> talking about wanting to write songs. You know, he yeah. didn't want to. He didn't want to be the guy singing the songs, but he wanted to write the songs. Yeah. So that when he when somebody listened to that song, they could say, "Whoa, I know what that guy was feeling." And I think sometimes when we listen to sad songs, it strikes a chord in us. You know, mm-hmm. maybe, whereas maybe like a happy song, cheer, more cheerful song, doesn't strike the same chord. But when we hear that that sad song you know, we can kind of be taken to that place that the the artist wanted you to go or where the artist was at at the time. And you, you well, can feel it. You get like or sympathize. That, yeah. I was trying. I agree with you. I, I, I was really just saying, like, when we say, why do we like sad songs? I thought that's a great question because I think there's a lot of different avenues into to find yourself in that moment where you are liking a sad song <clears> for your own specific reason. Maybe it's helping you understand a feeling that you don't understand. Maybe it's um, helping you express that feeling in a narrative form to somebody else. Maybe it's helping you connect to another person who you understand the messaging better with the use of that song between one another than you do talking to one another because you don't have that communication skill. You're not um, You're not intuitive enough on your own without listening to certain songs and i mean how many times in high school or junior high was that how you expressed yourself with a, a mixtape or a girlfriend or oh, not only just a mixtape yeah. right but but just set, saying to them have you heard this yeah that's how i feel you know what let me you know? let me throw something in there real quick because i agree with you like it's you you recognize something in the lyrics or in the, the tone you're like oh that's how i feel but i think a little bit of it might also be and i don't mean to take anything away from how much we invest in sad songs but a little bit of it is when we're feeling down, when we're feeling kind of a little self-pity partying for ourselves, it's easier to project things, I, I feel, that you can be like, uh, oh, yeah, I, that's... You could probably twist words and meanings in a sad song more easily to fit the narrative that's going on in your life than you could a happy song because you want to feel bad and you want to feel that that, sol- that, that salve that the, the music is bringing you. And so you might be a little more um, inclined to identify with the song when maybe it doesn't exactly apply to you. Like, for example, today's song list is I was a teenage car crash. Uh, I have crashed cars, but I've never fortunately lost anyone in a car crash. So, but I still love that, those songs, but I'm not, you know, I can't, I don't project myself into them, but maybe when I'm really sad, I might project myself into a sad song more when I'm actually sad. Does that make sense? You know, I would I would think yeah, like no, <clears throat> when you're when you're looking at these songs like you, you know people people connect with them but they may not connect on at you know or understand every part of the song sure and you know since we are talking about songs here there's some song lyrics from one of my favorite songs which I think is kind of a maybe not a sad song but kind of borderline there it's by a band called Bread don't make fun <laughs> uh the song is called Guitar Man 
And the lyrics say, uh, then you listen to the music and you like to sing along. You want to get the meaning out of each and every song. Then you find yourself a message and some words to call your own and take them home. And I think for me, that sums up right there. The way I feel about music is like when I'm listening to music, you know, if it connects with me, if I feel something, I feel a connection. There's something out of each song that I take and kind of make my own. You know, there's something that I take away from it. It might not be the entire song. It might not be all the lyrics in the song. It might just be certain lyrics. Um, but it's but, not exclusively uh, lyrical, right? It, like it's not exclusively that's lyrical. Not, no, that's no, not, it's uh, <laughs> that's not. You can't encapsulate everything you're feeling. No, no, it's definitely it's definitely the music saying, right? It's how they're saying it. Yeah, you know, like yeah. if you think about the difference, like the difference in the sad song sung by, um, I, I, I'm. I can't well, like you said, a country singer versus yeah. like, you know, like uh, let's just say this: Tracy Chapman versus Tori Amos. I mean, Tracy Chapman sings "Fast Car." It's a sad song. I can feel what she's going with. Tori Amos sings a sad song. I want to light a piano on fire too. You know, like I'm going to have to right now go on record saying I completely disagree. But that's why we're here. We can have these discussions. We can be friends. We can love one another. But I, I. Sorry, I love just, Tori. I I'm love talking, Tori. I, love I cry Tori. No, listening no, to Tori. I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean, like, I love, I mean, I love, I think those, what I was trying to make a point between those two is the <laughs> the expression is in the tone of the voice. It's sure. not exclusively lyrical. Okay. So, like, right. the expression in, in Tracy Chapman's voice in Fast Car, you relate to, and you can relate to that feeling, but it doesn't capture that catalog of feelings that you would feel while listening to Tori Amos. And she's going into those places that I think quite frankly, a lot of people don't know how to express themselves that way. Right. To get guttural, to get like that, that dark into the back of a really dark room, you know, you, you come across those kinds of artists and they invoke that feeling not only through their lyrics, of course, mm -hmm. but their how they present it, how they sing it, right? How they sing it. That 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 projection, and I think that's that's older than our words in a way, right? We communicate that way through evolution, through the tone of our voice, through facial expression, things like that. When you see two different artists sing even the same song if you took tori amos and tracy chapman and had them sing the same song you would get totally different renditions with totally different catalogs of emotions that are, they might invoke in my opinion so that's all i was getting as the lyrics were huge <laughs> but like we like brooke and i love tori amos like that is a dream girl dream everything for me dream girl and, like Dream woman, yeah, yeah, love, ah, nice, love, yeah, love Tori Amos, yeah, okay. and, uh, and good. I'm uh, glad we just yeah. got that clear. I mean, I still would have, I still would, would still, you know, really respect you and, you know, be your friend and everything. <laughs> no, man, we not, just would never speak again. I just wanted to make I sure. <laughs> no, She's I actually, God, uh, yeah, no. I, I actually have an upcoming. Um, I don't know what you'd even call those things that I want to do for the cure, um, and I did. The Cure, I did one with Ozzy, and I the next one is Tori. So, I mean, she's pretty oh, high up there in my, my nice. pantheon of, of artists that I love. Um, before we move on oh, to the, the, the chapter, women that she's incredible. Me, I got to see her twice in one night in Phoenix once. Oh, my God. Because she did wow. a doubleheader, 
and Jealous. it was it was awesome. It was just so incredible. I'm gl- I'm glad he said a doubleheader and not like once at concert and once when I was talking in her hotel room. Mm, I would forgive him for it, man. Yeah, <laughs> <I'm telling you. laughs> gotta let we, that go, we, man. We went and it saw was the 90s. Apple in Phoenix. Nice. Oh, nice. During that that initial uh, title album, that was another person who I think has some ability. To she go has ability beyond her years for sure. Iconic. I mean. You know, she she crosses into something weird. Yeah. Um, Not just that. She just released a new album. She did. Mm-hmm. I haven't done. I'm just about to explore yeah. it too. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, before she we lives move- here, I think that's what I'm. I'm hoping someday I stumble by, across her. She lives in the Nola. In New Orleans, yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, and she loves. And she loves Florence and the Machine. I didn't know that. <laughs> um. With like one last thing, uh, just to address because I think it's really um, pertinent and applicable here when we as we go over these all these songs coming up uh, through subsequent uh, episodes. And Mike will know this quote, but it's from High Fidelity, and it's, oh, okay. it's um, we're going to do a a deep dive into the book, the movie, and then the the recently released TV series. So if you want to catch up. Charlie, I gotta catch up. We, we yeah. welcome you to join. But the quote is is this, um, or at least close was, um, did I listen to pop music because I was miserable, or was I miserable because I listened to pop music? <laughs> it's like nobody. That's such a great quote. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like nobody is. Everyone's worried about uh, drugs and peer pressure, but nobody is thinking about how there are thousands upon thousands of songs about heartache and loss. And loneliness, and how is this affecting us? Um, I think I listened to music be- because I felt those things, and I found an outlet, and I found something to identify with. I don't think they made me that way. Chicken right. or the egg at this no, point. I would but, agree with that. Yeah, that's but that's what I think. I think I found I found, a, yeah. um, I found a, a musical hug in music that reflected how I was feeling. Do you think that that the evolution of of cinema? sort of plays a role in how especially in in america western civilization western culture that we sort of think of those moments in our lives and we seek out music now like a soundtrack like yeah because look i I mean think about it silent movies when they were going on people weren't like get didn't get sad and then think of some (laughs) uh instrumental harmony with you know what i mean like that's not where their mind went. They didn't seek it out in that fashion. Blues played a huge role in people seeking that culture out. And that culture was different than your average, normal, everyday American culture when it was brand new. We're talking, you know, blues of the 40s, blues of the 50s. You're talking like Robert rock Johnson. Like, yeah, play, yeah. Rock and roll comes along and, you know, it starts getting more pervasive where people are finding their connection to that. But at the same time, movies and cinema start coming around where you have, you know, scores and and soundtracks picked out, specifically songs geared to kind of pair with the narrative of the hero or the anti-hero. And now you're we're in 2020. What year are you in there, Charlie? It's been wow. a long lockdown. And so, you know, we're... we're uh, but look, we're that generation of John Hughes films and, uh, you know, every cool moment having a narrative song to it, 
right? And so we think in that, you know, we do think in that way. If we get, if we have an extraordinary life moment of tragedy, there's gonna be, we're gonna, re, we're gonna reach into that well of music trying to find something that hits the chord that we're dealing with at the moment, right? I would I'm only say, sure. I, I agree with you, but I, mean, I think that's egg, of a certain, right? yeah, no, no, I, what I want to say is I think that you're probably right. And I think the three people on this, this call right now, yes, would probably feel that way and, and, and identify those tracks for those moments in our lives. But not everybody is like that. I, I, I know a lot of people who for, for them music is just background noise or it really is just like this, you know, they're not really fans. Uh, so I think that's different for everyone. Oh, music? Yeah. It's, I know there it's hard to believe. Some people there, not there, fans who there are, are fans. people who are not fans. And I don't understand those people. Yeah. Wow. It's tough are to they, digest. Where are it they is. From? It is. Where are they from? <laughs> Mars. <laughs> who are these What's people? Strange? Show me them. They're, they're off from Sweden. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should find them and we can bring them on and we can talk to them. We can ask them. What's it like? That's an Not having a soul. Thing. Well, I mean, <laughs> how do you cat- – I always – They're probably all in politics. That, right? Like a categoric uh, default of no. Like on anything. <laughs> I, you know what I mean? Music? No, no music. No, no music. music. Oh, I, I actually worked with a guy one time, uh, my district manager for uh, Barnes & Noble. He uh, he literally went That's into a music department. Day. He the went into a music department and talked <laughs> talk to uh, the girl who was in charge of the music department and told her point blank that he does not listen to music, doesn't like it, won't listen to it, nothing. Was he so, just looking for he was, he get was to, getting a rise out of her? Was he just like being no, like, no, antagonistic? No, no, he was no, not being antagonistic at all. I forget how it came up. came up in the course of a conversation. Um, Let's but, look that guy uh, up. Let's yeah, give him a was, call. Uh, he's probably out wrestling sharks right now or something. I don't know. That's a different story. I'll have to tell okay. you some stories about this guy because that's a story. For he was time. a little bit different. Yeah, he did not die in a teenage car tra- car crash. Okay, <laughs> that was that was a good effort at a, at a segue. That was that was that was solid. So, uh, so thank you. Is, I, yeah, no problem. No problem. That's what I'm here for. I got you back. <laughs> so for those playing along, uh, we'll take this chapter by chapter, song by song, and uh, starting with the first playlist from uh, Mr. Reynolds' book. It's uh, dubbed, and I, I mentioned the title earlier, I Was a Teenage Car Crash. And here are the songs that are in that chapter. So if you're playing along and you want to pop these on, these are the songs. Tell Laura I Love Her by Ray Peterson. Teen Angel by Mark Dinning. And Last Kiss, uh, written by Wayne Cochran, but made popular by J. Frank Wilson. And later by, I'm sure a lot of us have heard the, the Pearl Jam version. Um, so this is a good place. You can pause, go look that up on your streaming platform of choice and take a listen and we'll be here when you get back. But first we're going to tackle tell Laura, I love her by Ray Peterson. Tell Laura, I love her by Ray Peterson. Um, and we're going to take a little listen here. Oh, cut I just lost. There we go. Yeah. it. I got it now. The guitar in the opening is almost harp-like. Someone want to do the math on how much a thousand dollars is now? Like how much in twelve billion dollars? Twenty twenty dollars. One million dollars. 
what's the name of that stringed instrument that's got a it's not like a it's got like a bulb at the base of it it's not like a guitar it's like a very banjo no no it's a <laughs> Uh, I, I need to think of what it's called. But so this is sort of a narrative, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, this it's one's a story. Very much it's a, a story. It's a story song. Yeah, like it. It's like a country song. It goes yeah. all the way through to the end. Yeah. I kind of think that. Well, we guess we can reflect on that when we're done. Oh God, he's dead. He's dead. No, no, they pulled him from the twisted. Oh wreckage. yeah, he was still alive. He was still alive. That's right. But with his dying breath. Yep. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> I've got a callous intellectual take on this. He's so he's bleeding out on the on the asphalt. Yeah, and he's still yeah, dude, don't be callous and cruel. Yeah. Well, yeah, man, that's true love. Right. Yeah. Yep. Last From what's thing probably like a 16, 17 year old kid. Listen to that. They bring in that organ right there. Yeah. They, yeah, that's gospel. That's way gospel at the like the funeral. Right? Oh. Is that what he's doing there? That's smart. Probably. probably. Where's the Brian Seltzer remake? Yeah. That one, I think he felt it. What year was that uh, written? Uh, Tell Laura I love her. Um, You know what? I, I don't have that. I can't believe I dropped that. Off the ball on that one. Have you ever seen the movie The Heavenly Kid? Yes. Yes. Okay, that's that's what I'm thinking of, is The Heavenly Kid. I actually watched like the first 20, 30 minutes of it maybe a month or two ago, strangely enough. It's, it's that, a that fantastic movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so stupid. Oh, it's pretty bad, but it was fun. So <laughs> when he's riding the motorcycle in the sky later in the, at the end, it's oh, great. Oh, I don't remember it. I didn't make it that oh, far. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, dang, so I should have I should have gone ahead and commented while it was on, so we could talk about. It. Um, um, he's lying there. He's he's bleeding out, and they're they're pulling him out of the car. And what's going through his head? He's like, "Tell Laura I love her." I don't, you know, with a story song, I really wasn't feeling that uh, Ray was feeling this at that point. Like it's just he's relating these events. You know, if it was personal, like it was his kid or his family member. Maybe he'd be able to. Or dial like he was in the one that ocean. pulled the kid out of the wreckage. Like, maybe, yeah, I think that would have like made the song connect a little bit more. But I don't know. What do you think? Damn, I don't think it needs to be in the top 100 songs that are saddest of all time. It's it's of the yeah. of, of teenage car crash songs. I mean, here's here's the kid. He's he's gonna get married, right? He he he's in love with Laura, and he but he needs a ring, so he he decides he's gonna race to get that thousand know dollars to buy her a ring. I almost feel more like it's it's less about like him dying and more about like the reason why like he, he was doing it because he wanted to earn the money because okay. 
obviously written on like what the 1950s probably maybe a little bit yeah. earlier right around that time so we're talking we're talking like you know like americana you buy the ring you get the permission from there from the girl's dad to marry her you have to prove yourself worthy of the girl get the approval by the parents and and you then know, if and you he's die in a car crash too soon you got to be sure your last words give that woman a complex so the rest of her life, she can't be happy without you because you're going to wow. die. That's true. Well, that's that just true. made it super sad. That just like, <laughs> that just like, just flung She'll straight into Joy to, Division territory. Married. He's ruined her for any guy that comes after her. I love you. She's going to break down and fall. So really, he was just like, Basically, marking his territory for all, for the rest of her life. It wasn't Dude, she'll a She'll never be act. able to sleep with another guy. Well. Because none of the other guys will, will measure up. Well, that's funny because I also wanted to include a couple comments that uh, Mr. Reynolds made. He, he said, uh, it, it, just imagine if he'd survived the, uh, the, the race and won. He would have been like completely unbearable to live with for the rest of their lives together. Always remember that time I raced. He'd have <laughs> yeah. like barbecues and the, the neighbors would be know, over. Laura. You don't know what could have happened. You know, you know I could totally see that. He's right. He's like, he's right. Like, you know, later in life when they're middle-aged and they're unhappy with each other and they got married <laughs> too young and they got several kids and her life, you know, didn't turn out the way she wanted. And he's like a drunk or whatever. And he's like, well, I went and joined, I, I risked my life to get a ring for you. And yeah, this look, is the way, this is how I'm repaid. This song can yeah. be about their divorce too. Like he just says it at the end of the divorce paper signing. Yeah. Tell Laura, I love her. <laughs> I'm out. Oh, so I mean, no, you like, know what though? It's a narrative. As far as a teenage car crash goes, I, I don't, I don't think it's as sad as the other two that are on here. Uh, okay. On the list. Okay. So, um, and I think, I think that's three. just because. Well, yeah, well, because he put himself in a dangerous situation okay. to go racing, right? Whereas the other two are not that same situation. Yeah, can we say we have a love affair with these guys in this country? With the racers? Think about, think about six-year-old kids like, you know, I need money. I want to get married. I'm going to drag race. That's what I'm going to do. Safe decision. And you know it. they have that that show, Street Outlaws, right, on History Channel or something where people drag race cars for money? Like yeah, on, was it? on the streets, yeah. So I think been. I think we're gonna start hearing more of these teenage car crash songs, like probably within the next year or so. Well, it's <laughs> coming back, it's coming back big. Taylor, Taylor Swift will bring one out. She already has one. What? Oh, I guess I don't know enough foreshadowing for the Swift. rest of the list. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll go, we'll go ahead. We'll go, we'll go ahead with Swift. the other ones. Cool, cool. All right. So the next track on the list, again, for those playing along, go ahead and. Uh, get your song queued up. We're going to play Teen Angel by Mark Dinning. And uh, let's see how, how well these teens fare in their uh, car adventures. Very similar intro. Probably about the same time period. That guitar's got a little more bottom end, though. You know, this can't end well when it has a train and a car. Yeah, cars don't win against trains. This one reminds me of a very Roy, Roy Orbison vibe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely have Roy Orbison sound there.
What's she looking for? Well, yeah, why'd she go running back? That doesn't make any sense. Oh. So they get out of the car. They're safe. She runs back to the car for what? His class ring. Dead. Yeah, that's ridiculous. At least this one, it's more personal because it was him, like yeah, his girlfriend. He's talking about it. Do you guys remember being sweet 16? I wasn't that sweet. Oh, no doubt. I love that. It's so I wasn't that sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. This guy this guy's very egocentric. Very he's like, you know, can you hear me? Can you see me? Still about it. Am I still your old true love? Still loving me or what? Yeah. yeah, he's like, he's like, I'll never kiss your lips again. It's not about you, not about you dying. It's about what I lost. Oh, even me. up in oh. heaven, he wants to be all Yo, about him. That is how to say yeah. it. It's not about you dying. It's about what I lost. Whoa, shit! So nailed that's it. all I'm saying, man. It, nailed it. it. <laughs> yeah, it, nailed. You know, it. On the surface, it seems like a sweet song talking about loss and death but uh you know when you break it down like that it's really about some guy's ego can i ask you a question okay but let's also yeah aren't we suggesting here that at some point he decided not to chase her (laughs) not to stop her i mean mean, look he he, right the song's there you know what and at some point there was a moment where he had to go do i run after her and stop her or no, Charlie. He pulled I mean, her out of the car. At that point, his obligation to her was done. He did everything he could. Okay. Right? Yeah. Look, he pulled her out. Say, she ran back. That's what his obligation is. I, I have a pertinent life story here. I <laughs> snuck out. I snuck out in the middle of the night with my girlfriend when we were 15 years old, and a police car oh, yeah. comes rolling down the hill. Um, and we are literally in front of an elementary school where we had to cut through the school yard to get to the alleyway behind my neighborhood. And the police are coming down there maybe 500 feet away. And I see them and I seriously, I tug on her arm and I'm like, we got to go. <laughs> and she froze. And I'm not shitting you. I had the most. I had a. Charlie was like, "See ya, <laughs> see you, bye." Listen, it took every ounce of will I had not to fucking run and leave her ass there. I didn't, but it was a conscious decision. You know what? He, what he's leaving that. out of the story is that he got her to run finally, but as they were running, he tripped her, and made it look like an accident, <laughs> and kept on going. And she, chivalry is not dead. I stuck next to her. But look, I knew that decision was in front of me. And so did this son of a bitch. He knew <laughs> that, that when he, when she went to go running back, he was like, no, wait. No, and stop. then let her go. He watched her die and then wrote a song and made millions. So you actually, you and uh, 
and Mr. Reynolds are kind of on the same track. He's like, this is completely implausible. Like what, who would run back to the car for a ring? He, he posits that this is the story behind the story. They're dating for a little while, you know, (laughs) Whoa, that adds a whole new layer. And he, he's, he's kind of done with her, but she decides she's not, she, she doesn't want to let go. And she tells she tells him, well, if you break up with me, I'm gonna out you as a communist. Because I mean, this is like you know during the Red Scare, so that would have been a big deal, right? So he's she, she's gonna out him as a commie, and uh, he's like, okay, well, let's go for a ride. He knocks her out, puts the ring in her hand, and leaves her on the tracks. Homicide. Maybe he killed her. You know, yeah. I'd say it's more simple than that. Like, there's no communism involved. He was just <laughs> done with her, and he's a murderer or something. You know, it's only his word that says that he pulled her out of the car that night. Uh, it's Nobody knows his sure. word. Yeah, his word. There were no yeah. other witnesses. Yeah, it wasn't like the first song where there were people at the racetrack that helped pull this person out of the car. Yeah, it was just him. Mm. So, and and he, it's amazing. He he escaped unscathed. He was fine. Went to the funeral and everything. So either. He, Homicide or at least negligent homicide. Now I only have one thing to, to I only one little contrary to, to that concept, to that idea is this, like, have you seen some of the selfies that people post where they're like hanging off dangerous buildings? And have you not like maybe seen some of these uh, younger folks and their attachment to their phone? I've never seen anything like that. Yes, you have, because you've taken some pictures that are similar, maybe not quite as dangerous as some of those. Close. Uh, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, whatever. But I'm saying that I think that there are some youths of today who would run back for their phone. So youths? I think it's possible. Youths. Did you say youths? youths. No, you said youths. Youths would run back for their phone. So it's plausible. She, Teen Angel, may have died by accident running back for the class ring. I nah, think dog. that's possible. I think it's possible. She was murdered. She was you know murdered. What, though, you're, I, think, I think Mitch has hit on something, though. Like, the youths of today... Uh, would probably be stupid enough to run back for their phone. Look, I hate to break it to you guys, but youths have always been fucking stupid. That's what I'm saying. So Teen Angel was stupid. (laughs) And vain. Such negative negative attitude. Uh, You know what? It's just who we are. It's got negative ramifications, but it's not all bad, right? (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so... Uh, here we go. The last track on uh, the, the I Was a Teenage Car Crash playlist, as written by Mr. Reynolds, is Last Kiss. Okay, and uh, let's take a listen. Uh, that sounded more like the Pearl Jam version. Well, yeah, um, I honestly I couldn't find the original. You couldn't find the original? No. At least not not on uh, my streaming platform of choice. Oh, gotcha. Is that a, is that going to be a problem for you? You're not going to be able to like, dig in? No, no. I love the Pearl Jam version. Okay. I absolutely love it. I shed a tear over it once or twice. Now, see, this one's a little more uh, visceral because you heard, like, a painful scream. Yeah. Shattering glass. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, car tires squealing. And I think you made a really good point earlier when when the narration is coming from like the the first person involved, it does resonate a little bit better than just right. a story. Oh yeah. Well, and see in there, he blacked out because he had yeah. to wake up. And then it's a rainy night. It's a dark and stormy night. The best tales usually are. Yeah. Something warm running through his eyes. He's, we're talking about like this blood all over this kid's face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very yeah. visceral. And then that line, that hold the gun for a little while. Yeah. That's, yeah. That part hurts me. And that line there, I found the love that I knew I would miss. It's kind of interesting because it's like he has this epiphany mm-hmm. that uh, this is the love, maybe maybe love of his life, and he's just lost her. Yeah. Well, but, you know, when you're 16, they're all the love of your life. Yeah, it always life. feels like the yeah. love of your life. Which might be why these songs are so powerful. Because, I mean, they're written, like, might have something to do with that time frame in our lives. Well, have you ever noticed that there's never any songs about, like, you know, middle-aged car crash? It's always, like, teenage car crashes? Uh, I think, I think again, we're going to talk about country, right? <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of middle-aged car crash songs in, in the country genre, too. Well, and the other thing with this song, I think it speaks to the time that it was written in, right? Because it talks yeah. about the Lord, I gotta make, got to make it to heaven. But it's a good you know, example of how he's... He's telling volumes of emotional distress in his voice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's got that quality. Right. And I mean, that's, that's where I think again, like let's take all the enunciation out of it. If it were just intonations, you would still know this was a sad song and that he was. Oh, you'd still feel that. Right. Well, and even the original, which I did happen to find on a streaming service, Mitch is, uh, is pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah, um, throwing shade at Mitch, which I no, did. I was just saying, like you know, I I know By Mitch's streaming service of choice, uh, but yeah, I, I I was able to find it. I thought it was interesting. It's a little bit different than, of course, the Pearl Jam version, which I mm-hmm. think feels a little darker. Um, you Is know, it that grunge? Harder, maybe? The grunge thing, yeah, grunge coming through. So, yeah. but so when was also originally produced? Um, that I don't know, but I think it was again, and like it's another one of those ones. that's like the 1950s or something. So don't um, you think that like the controversy behind uh well we could say Elvis to some extent, but let's say let's say the doors, right? Or um just when rock really started getting in there. Uh you know, it I don't know that the, the those generations were just starting to get comfortable with expressing themselves like that, right? Oh, that's like interesting. Okay. You know what I mean? Like they were sure. it was really kind of birthed out of an era where people were starting to just express themselves like that at all, you know, and that was sort of what, what a lot of the straight lace stiffs hated about say hippie culture was that it was, and that's, that's kind of too touchy feely, a little bit too. uh... Yeah. A little too, uh, whatever. It just didn't feel comfortable. Right. There was, there was a pushback against it. And, and, you know, so I think that the music sort of embodied that, you started seeing a lot more of a leaning in to those different emotions, whatever they were, love and peace or sex and, and carnage and rage or whatever, you know? And I think that 
no matter what genre you're talking about, I think as people got even country, right? Country, we're using that as a sort of cliche thing. Or at least I have been. You know, if you if you take 60s, 70s country compared to Garth Brooks in the <laughs> 80s, it's you know Garth Brooks is singing in a you know expressing himself in a way that those other songs didn't have musically or vocally you know what i mean it was still the sort of like the first song we listened to very narrative very oh here's a sad story and then you could kind of move on from it the songs you you heard later on you you live with them for a minute you know i think that's what what it's almost like technology right it's it's but all from the voice and how people use like how eddie vetter used his voice well, see, with lyrics and a story that are old to you know what i thought of when i was listening to these like songs and uh I, I was thinking of uh of like you know that that era like 1950s era kind of like you know what people were like back then or, and it made me think kind of also like what movies were like and it made me think of the movie rebel without a cause uh which is one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. but it's interesting to see the way the teens act in that movie um you know from like you talk about teenage car crash. Uh, you know, there's a whole scene in that movie where the the kids steal a couple cars and they do that that race where they race towards the edge of the cliff and they're supposed to jump out of the car. And one of the guys, you know, his his jacket gets caught on the, the door handle and he ends up going over the cliff and dying. Uh, yeah, totally footloose. Yeah, okay. yeah. One of my favorite movies. One of my favorite movies from the 1950s. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I just uh, I was thinking about that and it was interesting just the way that. <laughs> I don't know if the movie portrays the way that society saw children at the time, mm. but there's that whole weird thing where the the girl that uh, a little was both, in the movie, right? what's that? A little of both. Yeah, probably, yeah. Pro- probably a little of both. Yeah, I mean, because the, the girl that was in the movie, there's that whole thing about her father. She was too old now to get hugs and kisses from her, get any kind of affection from her father. She became a teenager, um, you know, and it was all all about these teens rebelling and stuff. And and I don't know if that. I'm thinking the, that movie would have come after some of these songs, but I think it does kind of reflect just the way that adults kind of saw children in those I, days. I would have to do a little bit more digging, but it seems like, I mean, there's always teen culture, right? Teen culture drives a lot of like commerce. It's a big deal, but it seems like during those, during the fifties is when it kind of was birthed. That's, that's the birth of teen, teen culture and, and teen Everything is teens, and I don't, I don't know. Also, like you have to dig into a little mass bit. Mass adoption of the television, right? I mean, sure. no longer what. So we're getting those imagery, that imagery. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. they can create a look. Now they can create the. That was a lot of what that was, right? You had you had a lot of code and poodle and skirts and, get, and. Well, I mean, look at every show from the era, whether it was Leave It to Beaver or, you know, Gilligan's Island sure. or you know the Andy Griffith Show. There's a sort of that they wanted to present what it is. And look, in a way that's answering questions to people who, who are being told, this is how you act. If you're yeah. from here, et cetera, right. you know, well, see, we look- I looked it up just, Oh, sorry. No, I no, just no, no, say one last yeah. thing. Like um, I looked up just now, uh rubble without a cause was released in 1955. Uh, you know, so 1950s, I think it'd be right about the same time. Same time as uh, as these these songs and stuff. Yeah, and so it does kind of like Rebel Without a Cause. I think part of that what that movie tried to do is to capture what they were what at the time they perceived as teenage angst. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the one kid who was uh, apparently who ended up getting shot at the end of the movie. Um, 
you know, he was depressed on, on some kind of drugs or something, you know, being treated by a psychiatrist. Uh, you know, James Dean was a character who'd been in trouble, uh, didn't have Mr. Howell as a great example as a father because he wouldn't stand up to his wife. Thurston um, Howell? Yeah, you didn't know Mr. Howell was in Rebel Without a Cause? No. He played, he played James Dean's father. I just um, love Thurston Howell III. Yeah, Thurston Howell III. <laughs> Uh, and and like I said, like, I I think it was just an interesting way for them to try it for the directors, for the people at that time to try and portray what they felt like teenagers were going through at the time. And I think that's kind of what these songs are too, is it's an artist rendition of what they perceive teenagers to have been going through, you know, and and what may have happened, like a tragedy as a teenager might perceive it. Um, so I don't, I don't really know, you know, if things like nowadays, I don't really see like too many people writing songs or anything like that uh, but you were saying that taylor swift i guess did do something for the she did. there's a lot but, but um one last thing on on last kiss though because one of you mentioned and i don't recall maybe it was both uh the addition of gone to heaven and 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 applying the lord with a wish uh i wonder if maybe any of that has any kind of uh is if that is impactful in that song for you know the time you don't hear as much of that now but it seems like that that might be one of the things that that kind of further conveys the emotion of that song because at this point he's got no earthly connection that he's he's not pleading with the doctor he's not pleading with the the other people at the scene this is like now a, basically a conversation between the kid who's in the wreck and god he's like where has my baby gone Hopefully up to heaven. I'm not sure. And I'm not sure what my comment is on that, but I think it's interesting because I think that it adds a certain no. supernatural spiritual level to that song that might no, not be man, there otherwise. You know what? That's, I think that that kind of puts a spin on it for me, Mitch, because imagine like yeah, people do. I think I do at least initially interpret the, the chorus of, of where, where has my baby gone to be? really exclusively about that person's loss like they're not there where have they gone mm-hmm. but on a deeper like you were just pointing to existential spiritual sort of level i mean what if he's really just concerned of where her afterlife is like where has she gone you know knowing who she was and knowing that you know almost it all i almost like the song more thinking of it this way because i feel like you know he knows they're both flawed he knows they're both sinners he knows they're both not married he knows all these things and then she's gone and he's just freaking out wondering where she's where she is that's really getting to me right now i'm feeling you know i mean because like like he's literally like a like torn up inside because he doesn't know where her eternity is gonna be like he's in he's in agony and he's pleading in a way, like when you're saying adding that stitch of heaven and whatnot, he's he's almost putting himself out there on the line for her to make it into a better place because he doesn't know. So that, I'm looking that, up. That feels better. I like <laughs> that better. I hope that's the truth because if not. Hey, uh, it's a, how we interpret it, right? We already discussed that. It is. It's yeah, your truth. Right. Now. It's your truth now. Well, here's here's an interesting truth. Uh, I just looked it up. Uh, the The release date for Last Kiss, as performed by J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers, which is the the song that you had had texted me, Mitch, uh, was released in 
So a little bit so later. I don't know that. if it's like a little bit later than I had anticipated. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if maybe it's their interpretation of like no, 1950s, whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, sixty-four. If you're 19, if you're sixteen in nineteen sixty-four, you were born in nineteen forty-eight, right? Sure. If you want yeah. to do math right now. Yeah. So I'm saying like you're still 50s coming out of those kids, 50s kids. That's what I'm saying. 50s just kids to... are teenagers in the 60s. Mm-hmm. 60s kids are teenagers later than that. Like I think we you got you know 64 wasn't like uh I mean there were different music some different types of music emerging but there was still a lot of bobby socks and poodle skirts and shit. It hadn't quite hit Summer of Love 68 acid yeah, rock I mean, psychedelia. Yeah. So I guess there was still yeah, some of that innocent there, yeah. we just beat the Nazis still hold over into the 60s. There was still you know, doo-wop music. Doo-wop, now. right? I mean, okay. Gotcha. Uh-huh. Well, and then uh, Teen Angel was released in 1960. Uh, and so Bill were... did as the number five song of 1960. Okay. Just as an FYI. number five. Teen Angel? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Teen Angel. Uh, and... and then give me a second. I'll look up the next one. Um... Okay, so tell Laura I love her. Sorry, guys. Uh, uh, the release date on that one, well, that can't be right. <laughs> <laughs> it's showing, uh, oh, here we go. Ray Peterson, tell Laura I love yeah. her, 1960. 1960, so all these right there mm-hmm. outside of the 50s. I guess the 50s would have been more uh, Teen Angel, maybe, in the 50s. Leader of the Pack, also. Yeah. Motorcycle accident. A lot of that, oh yeah yeah, you know, yeah as, that. As cars, that, was, that was also a teenage one too right yeah as cars became a bigger and bigger part of American culture and society it's no wonder that it was being reflected like immediately in the music you know it wasn't you know Model T's anymore we're talking about these big hunks of American metal flying along the highways killing kids left and right we've got to do something about this no I'm just kidding well. So I have statistics here from uh, <laughs> Why don't you regarding share some teenage, teenage car deaths. Okay, uh, but they only go back as nineteen, as far back That's as nineteen seventy-five. This statistic. yeah, right. Uh, so in nineteen seventy-five, apparently there were eight thousand seven hundred forty-eight uh, teenage deaths from car accidents. Nineteen seventy-five. Nineteen seventy-five. But of course, keep in mind uh, this would have been before uh, seatbelts and everything. Uh huh. And this is according to the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. The car I rolled did not have seatbelts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't remember cars that did not have seatbelts. Yep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. Okay. I think they had them in some cases, but they weren't. They weren't mandatory. Yeah. And, yeah. They were, but they I think they did. I think some had them. Right. Yeah. Because my, my I, th- I drove a 62 Impala that had seatbelts, but they were only lap belts. My 63 uh, Pontiac Bonneville had seat belts, but uh, they were just lap yeah, belts. Just lap belts. Yeah. So that your body wouldn't fly out of the car, so they'd be easily recovered after you <laughs> die. Right. That's right. really all those seat belts were for. Keep you in place, make it easy to clean up. <laughs> we don't need you in the way. Oh, your dark. Not that important. Dark. Well, and did, when did the Beach Boys start singing about? And when did the Beach Boys start singing about racing cars and stuff? Little Lady from Pasadena and My Little Deuce Coop and stuff like that. I don't know about three uh, points in. Look that up. Maybe, maybe they were encouraging teenagers to, to drive fast. They were. Unsafely. They were. Uh, speaking of encouraging teenagers, uh, I was gonna, uh, I'll save this one for the last, but there is, there's a, uh, an honorable mention on here. 
and that's coming right up here. But here we go. These are a couple honorable mentions that I felt most interesting. Uh, teenage, I was a teenage car crash. Always crashing in the same car, 1977, David Bowie. <laughs> Read the lyrics. Always crashing in the same Always car. Crashing in the same car. Uh, that's a great, that's a great title. It's fantastic. And again, David yeah. Bowie was holding together the fabric of the universe. So without him, that's he had a big job. Going. He had a big you job. Kind of have a point. Things have gone fucking <laughs> crazy since he died. Yeah. Um, but I was reading the lyrics and going, you know, I, I put the song on and, uh, I think I think that the driver in the song hits someone and kills them. For the audience, wow. go check it out. For you guys, check it out. Uh, next one brings up uh, Tay Tay. Brought up that way, uh, two thousand nine. Taylor Swift. Uh, the the girl in the the song is killed by a drunk driver, um, and her dad never gets to reconcile with her. So it's not quite the same as the teenage songs where they're being reckless and things because she's killed by the you know the drunk driver by the drunk driver but still teenage teenager dead in a car well that's kind of a shift in in uh in ideology right there right like okay. before like they're looking at it's like the the people in the car were the ones who got into an accident of some sort and yeah and it was it wasn't alcohol related you know there was a train but some for some reason the car stalled right uh in Two of the songs, cars, for some other, reason, other things. Something went it. wrong. Some something went wrong. <laughs> right. But not alcohol. Again. Not no, alcohol. Not no. not someone else. Not. Yeah. And she was just an athlete. She was so fast. He, there's no way he could have stopped her. <laughs> you still are she, just going to go with that, aren't back you? to that car. Yeah. Oh, he okay. totally knew. He let, let her that. Uh, <laughs> next honorable mention Detroit Rock City, 1976. Kiss. Yeah. Written as a tribute really? to Detroit Rock City. Yes, Detroit Rock City. Wow. This one I didn't even know, I will admit, and I'm sad to admit it because I as a rock guy, I should have known this one. Written as a tribute to a fan who was killed in a wreck heading to a kiss concert. And it doesn't wow. hit it doesn't hit until like the last couple stanzas. Um when the guy is leaving the concert, it's like two in the morning, headlights heading his way, he can't get out of the way. He's out. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah, Mad. I see it here. I see, I see it? it here. Yeah. It says, "Yeah, lyric. twelve o'clock. I got a rock. There's a truck ahead, light staring at my eyes. Oh my God, no time to turn." I wow. got to laugh, but I got to laugh because I know I'm gonna die. So an interesting take on death there. Let that one settle in. Hmm. Wow, that's, that's crazy. That's how you do <laughs> sad music. That's how you do that. sad. That's an art. That's that is. That's great. That's uh, great. Yeah, I was I was very impressed. Very cool stuff. That's and, great. And check I'll out have the... that song playing on a loop for the next three weeks. <laughs> check um, it out on uh, some type of video feed of, of your choice and see them performing it in, like in 77, like highlight of Kiss, watching them do the jump kicks and things. It's it's uh, quite, quite, how a, fast, quite a ride. How fast of emotion are we talking about, right? From, from the first song we started with, Tell Laura I Love Her, to... 17 years later uh, one one idiot kid later <laughs> and you've got uh detroit rock city yeah I and mean, that's that's big we've got another and that that's crazy isn't it <laughs> another drug oh, driving no. incident in the 1991 primus song jerry was a race car driver well yeah okay what 
I'm is, just saying this is, is just Jeremy like, on the list, just so I know. Oh, I guess that doesn't have anything to do with the rack. That's going to be in a different one. That's going to yeah, be a different yeah, one. It's not a car crash. Although, yeah. although uh, Jerry, who was a race car driver, was a li- was not quite a teenager, so doesn't quite qualify. But I had to throw it in there too because he wrapped himself around a telephone pole. Is well, "Get Out of My Dreams" by Billy Ocean? Yes. In this yes, list it is. Too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Get into my car. car. I'm going to leave you on a train track. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He's not Jason either, man. <laughs> uh, and then my last one, the the last bonus track, uh, which was because you mentioned uh, influencing kids, is a song from the Cardigans, 1998's "My Favorite Game," and not because wow. of the song, but because of the video. The video was banned from MTV UK because they I felt. Do you remember the video? Yeah, yeah, yeah they they the banned it because they thought it was going to encourage dangerous reckless driving and joyriding by teenagers and so they did they they kicked the video really yeah Man. so let me ask you this then mitch uh if they kicked the video for that so what uh what song was it that the kid from terminator 2 was in the video <laughs> where he stole a car and then drove it into a wall uh i don't know but i remember the the guns and roses i remember video the video for... but i can't remember the song really the kid from terminator 2 yeah, it wasn't You Could Be Mine, was it? Well, I, it, there's clips from the movie in You Could Be Mine, the video. Yeah, there's clips from the movie in that. But no, the kid from the kid from uh, from Terminator 2 was in a music video, and I can't remember what song it was, but in that music video, he steals Eddie Furlow, was that his name? It. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he crashes it into a brick wall or something, as just as a joke. Like, he, he doesn't... Poor like, Eddie Furlow. Oh. You mad. <laughs> This, that's probably the only thing you get recognized for. Hey, hey! I watched you fourteen <laughs> times in a summer over nineteen ninety eight. Who didn't? Who didn't? Uh, hey, that's that's it. That's the time we got uh, for teenage. Uh, I was a teenage car crash. As we begin this series of uh, podcasts, reviewing, looking back at, and talking about sad songs using Mister uh, Reynolds. Fine work. I uh, hate myself. I want to die. Inspiring. Inspiring work. It is. 52 yeah. songs of, of misery and sadness and morose, depressing moments. But I think we'll still find a, an opportunity to laugh and get a chuckle here and there. What a terrible <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, but, you know what I mean? We were kind of dancing around the same thing. It's so interesting because that song, Tell Laura I Love Her, like somebody, like our mothers, our parents may find that song really sad because to them sure. that. That's how they, you know what I mean? That's their scale. We've had a much larger scale. I'm going to save part of that discussion for next time. No, we, uh, I'm not sure how much I subscribe to the desensitization uh, idea, but, you know, like the, my parents always had a problem with me and my rock and roll and my metal. I was like, you, you know, your songs from your generation, there were kids dying left and right. There were bloody accidents all over the highway. And I just want to listen to Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner by Iron Maiden. What's the problem? <laughs> It was the tones. That's what I'm saying. It was the tone. It wasn't even, they wouldn't even get to the words. They would hear the, the beat and the, the vocals, like the intonation. Bruce and Dickinson was, didn't wear a suit, you know, and he yeah. didn't, you know, he wasn't on Ed Sullivan. So he's out. Simple as that. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but uh, Jim Morrison was on Ed Sullivan. Uh, yeah, man. The, this point. was fun. I really had a lot of good times talking about it. Playing the music was great. Good times. Yeah, man. Agreed. I enjoyed it. So for, uh, you know, ruminations from the Red Room, guys, uh, I always have a blast chatting with you, and I appreciate the insight and you guys taking the time. 
for, for those of you who are listening, uh, should you have an opportunity, rate, review, subscribe, uh, fire off a little tweet, let us know what are some of your sad songs, what would make your honorable mention for uh, teenage, I was a teenage car crash songs, and uh, hopefully we'll catch Ooh, you next time. With an honorable mention? What's it, what do you got? You got an honorable mention right now? Let's, let's each have one song. Okay, mention. one more before hey, we go. Just one song, and then the last thing we'll say, all right? All right, one song, pick the era. So we got to do 90s. One song, 90s. It's a teenage car, car crash song? Not not just sad, sad what we're talking about. Oh, I guess just something that's sad? Yeah, yeah. Sad song. Okay, I, I've got mine. Are you guys ready? Land on me. Okay. This, my sad song from the 90s. From the Edge of the Deep Green Sea, The Cure, the album is Wish, 1992. Wow. Nice. 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 Super sad. Go check it out. I'm going to feel bad now. I always I, listen to, uh, I listened to a lot of uh, Nine Inch Nails uh, back then. And uh, I loved, you know, like Head Like a Hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I listened to a couple that of their other albums, again. like Broken. Broken was an album I really liked, and uh, I just liked the whole thing. It was angry and sad all at the same time. Wow. I totally feel like my song sucks now. You guys have much better songs than me. <laughs> mine, yeah. Uh, I spaced out on mine. I totally forgot mine. Sorry, you started this whole thing. You wanted <laughs> good. We'll just we'll just you trim this out. Win. You can you can you can drop one on the next one. For ruminations okay. from the red room, uh, this is Mitch Proctor signing out, and we've got Arvig. Hey guys, happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Mitch. Loved it, Charlie. Mitch, it was a lot of fun. I uh, can't wait to do it again, Mike. You were really great. I, I really liked your fact checking mid episode. Oh, I thought it was man. great, man. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, one last fact check. Uh, the music video with Edward Furlong running a car into a brick wall, Living on the Edge by Aerosmith. All right. Oh, wow. And with that, we're going to close it out and wish you all to uh, stay safe, stay happy as best you can, and let a smile be your umbrella. Wear your mask. Bye, everybody. <laughs> oh man nice. that's great uh, he, he, dressed, uh, he dressed up for the occasion this COVID-19 haircut thing's been driving me nuts it's looking good man it's looking I'm good I'm digging nice. the fro brother digging yeah. the fro so Charlie did you listen to those songs that uh, Mitch had sent us some of them mm. they're only they're only three it's okay. We can, uh, he can just reflect on our reflections. Go reflect for it. Reflections. <laughs> All right. So, but no, I, we were, we were demanding my wig, do, bro. Hold up. <laughs> <laughs> it's so hard to take him seriously uh, in the first no place. And now. <laughs> <laughs>
especially with how how uh, how much hair yeah. there is coming out the back there. That is pretty <laughs> impressive, man. Yeah, now see you're hurting yourself. Are you going to be able to hear through those hair, those headphones now? Your cans are going to be uh, isn't aren't cans another word for boobies? It is another word for boobies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think it's a little antiquated, but I was like, wait a minute. I think you're talking about tits. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, looking good. Uh, looking good. My ten year old my ten year old the other day made a comment to me. I forget what in what context exactly, but it ended with her going, Yeah, I haven't even got my titties yet. And I looked at her and I said, uh, around here we call them boobies. <laughs> God, I remember Wow. That. I think I said the same thing to Brooke like two weeks ago. What it, <laughs> around here we call them boobies, or that you hadn't got yours yet? Which uh, I was talking about gaining weight, and I was like, I hadn't gotten my titties yet, so it's not that bad. 